Cameron A. Mitchell is a filmmaker who moved to sunny California to make movies. Between bouts of depression and a global pandemic, he made his first American feature film in just nine days. The film is called This Sucks. Cameron is here today to talk about the trials and tribulations of making an independent film. Cameron A. Mitchell, welcome to 15 Minutes of Fame. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, it's good to see you. I, as, we, we, as you know, we've been having lots of issues with, uh, with our technicals before we started, <laughs> but we've solved the problem now. And I've got Fingers one crossed. thing to ask you before we start. Are you a John Carpenter fan? Because I'm noticing behind you there is a poster of The Thing, of course, John Carpenter's famous film from many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. Is Carpenter uh, someone you love? I Yeah, I would say so. And The Thing is easily my favorite horror movie, one of my favorite movies in general. And it's just a really great poster too, like just as, you know, on its own. Well, it looks very nice there with Arnie Schwarzenegger on the other side as well. <laughs> Of course, yes, we're here today. Terminator to talk- is also one of my favorite movies. <laughs> there you go. Of course, we're here today to talk about your film, um, This Sucks. I want to get back onto that a little bit later on. Okay. But of course, you didn't grow up in Los Angeles, where you are now. Maybe just tell our listeners a little bit about um, your backstory um, before you got to Los Angeles to make uh, This Sucks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm from Anchorage, Alaska originally. I lived there for the first 22 years of my life. And, you know, my whole life, I I've always loved writing. I don't really remember a time where I didn't love writing or want to write, but, you know, Anchorage isn't, or Alaska in general, I guess, isn't really geared towards creativity. Um, There's just not a lot of outlets for it, and a lot of people just sort of think it's a little weird. And so for me, you know, it was very, it was a very lonely experience because I was embarrassed and I didn't really have anybody to talk to about the things that I wanted to do and things that I wanted to write. You know, I had terrific friends and my family's all obviously very supportive of me, but it just felt, you know, like I I didn't fit there. And uh, I really can't remember when I had the epiphany of, oh, I should go somewhere and make movies. But I do remember one night I was looking online at just different film schools. Pretty much everything I was reading said, you need to be either in LA or New York. And I didn't know anyone in either place. I'd never been to either place. I didn't have a relationship with LA. I didn't have a relationship with New York, but I picked LA because the weather was different and it was nicer than Alaska. A few months later, I just moved to LA and started going to film school here. So when you when you got to LA, um, had you in your mind any idea of what kind of films you wanted to make? I mean, obviously John Carpenter, you like. Um, mm-hmm. well, was horror films something that you wanted to make? Because this sucks is a little bit of a mixture isn't it it's sort of a little bit of a comedy horror um it's definitely i describe it as a dark comedy but you know i do love horror I've always loved horror. I love the, you know, like the thing behind me. I love creepy atmospheric horror where you just feel that dread. Um, You know, I remember once I was, I watched it and I'd seen it before. It wasn't the first time I watched it, but later that night, one of my dogs came and got into bed with me and I just was a little creeped out because, you know, obviously there's a lot of dog horror in the thing and (laughs) I was thinking about it. certainly is. Yeah. And it's, it's rare for a horror movie to really linger and stick with you. You know, a lot of them, they're scary in the moment maybe, but 
it's rare to be thinking about it and to still be creeped out, you know, however many hours later. I really love that sort of like slow burn atmospheric approach to horror. And with This Sucks, it's, you know, it's very much a, a dark comedy, a drama. But I really like that we kind of got a little bit of a horror tinge in the beginning there because we do have these creatures, we have these demons. And I wanted to establish pretty early on that, you know, the tone wasn't going to be confusing. It wasn't going to be a horror movie. But because I love horror, I'm really happy that we kind of got to play around with that in these beginning scenes before the audience really figures out what's going on, what these demons are. Of course, um, This Sucks is is sort of, um, it's a little bit of a social comedy, isn't it, in a way? Mm -hmm. In in that uh, when I watched it, there were lots of comments about America, lots mm -hmm. of um, things that I thought you were a little bit angry about with America. From mm -hmm. the gun violence, I think that's in it. Racial issues, I think, pops up in it as well. Is that the sort of film you set out to make? Or did that just happen, did evolve as you started casting it and putting it together? And did you add to the script as you went along? It definitely came from a place of anger. You know, at in 2020, at the height of the pandemic, I was mad. I was very frustrated. I was, you know, I, I got COVID very early on and I was very sick for almost two months. Um, and then, you know, I started going to these protest events and these actions and I started seeing just how badly so many things in this country needed to change and just how deep-rooted all of these things were. And I started thinking about, well, what can I do to help? I mean, you know, obviously there's these protests, um, but that's only a part of it. You know, every piece of the whole has to come together to make this kind of change. And I was thinking about, you know, well, one thing I can do that not necessarily everyone can uh, is make movies. And so I started writing the script and initially, actually, it started out as a web series that some friends and I were going to make because we just wanted to do something. Um, and so that's sort of how the it came to be, you know, very small space, small cast, limited locations, things like that, because it was something that we were just going to do on our own. Doing it as a web series wouldn't have done it justice because, you know, and on a grand scale, we're talking about things like, you know, like you mentioned, racial, uh, racial injustice in America, which is huge, but also on a personal, more intimate scale, you know, things like depression and mental health. And depression something that I've struggled with pretty much my whole life well i was and about I think... to ask you that because it's a it's a big theme in the movie when i watched it i instantly thought you had struggled with depression and i thank wondered you, I think. what's that i said thank you i think <laughs> well you know i think everyone's had depression at some point of i don't i mean you're you're mm. a little younger than me but certainly by the time you hit 40 everyone's had depression. It's very, it's more common than people think, and it's very relatable. And if kind of the stigma around even talking about it or admitting that you deal with these kind of things because it's embarrassing or shameful, but it, it isn't, and it doesn't need to be. I mean, if, if I broke my thumb, um, I wouldn't be embarrassed about breaking my thumb. I would go and I would get the help required to fix my thumb. You shouldn't have to suffer in silence. You shouldn't have to hide in the shadows because you have depression or any other mental health issue. Like I, I don't, I mean, I, I understand how that stigma has has come about just because you sort of look at the causes of all these things and you see where these things take root but i don't think it needs to be that way at all what's your lead character jess she's the one who suffers the most with depression i would say she's in bed and she's laying around I sh we should point out actually as i'm saying this that the film is very funny and um oh, all the acting is is excellent and and you know th they're all friends in the film they're fun to be with i should say but jess mm -hmm. is she's she's kind of laying around and she's depressed and she's not feeling good did you think when you were writing it maybe this character might not 
be engaging because she's in such a, a negative space? Yeah, that was certainly a concern. And that was definitely something that I was trying to be very, you know, it's 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 kind of like a tightrope with Jess, because typically in a movie or anything, you want your main character to be driving the action, driving the plot, making these decisions. But with depression, very often, that's not really a thing. You know, when you're really in a, a very bad situation, and you're really feeling that depression very heavily, sometimes you can't even get out of bed. And one of my favorite shots in the whole thing is the, the scene where we start and she's laying in bed on her phone and we slowly pull back and we see that the demon is just sitting on her. The demon is the physical manifestation of, his, of her depression. And so that's sort of what it feels like sometimes. It's just physically difficult to even get out of bed. The demon, of course, is her boyfriend who mm -hmm. is made up as a demon. Uh, so it's mm -hmm. in her mind, her ex-boyfriend, we should say. Um, he's extremely funny in it. He's so funny. Michael he's, is hilarious. He's very good. One of the questions I wanted to ask you, the, the makeup is not so scary. I think I was expecting the depression when they, when it comes out as a demon mm -hmm. to be very scary. And you, you sort of steered away from that. Why did you decide depression wasn't scary? I guess it's a little bit humorous in a way, isn't it? Well, I, I wouldn't say depression isn't scary. Um, I think they're kind of like with your last question, there's a very tightrope kind of tone that we wanted to walk with this movie. We didn't want it to be too heavy because I wanted this movie to speak to people and I wanted people to see themselves in it. Um, you know, April was so great. She struck that balance perfectly between this depressed character and also, you know, you see the glimpses of the livelier, whether she's happy uh, making her videos about makeup or whether she's angry engaging in these protests, you see these glimpses of who Jess was before the start of the story and who she will be again. And it was was one of those things, you know, she's an SFX makeup artist. I started toying with the idea of, you know, she had kind of created this demon as this amalgam of different things. So he is her ex-boyfriend, but also he's her own psyche. And so Michael playing that character was sort of playing three different characters because he's playing Jake, the ex-boyfriend, just normally in the film, but he's also playing the demon. And the demon is a little bit of Jake, but also a little bit of Jess. Jess has created these characters in her own mind almost. And when I was thinking about, well, what would Jess do? You know, looking at the style of her makeup, looking at the style of the things that she makes, they're a little bit sillier and a little bit more, um, you know, kind of like theater kid kind of energy because that's who Jess is as a person. And when I was thinking about the kind of demon that Jess would create, it, that seemed more realistic as far as her character goes. And also, again, like, I didn't want the movie to be too heavy. It's still a comedy, and I, that's sort of why these characters are relatable in such a way and why there's this lightness to it. And I felt like going too in-depth with the makeup, you know, uh, Sadie Mars, our SFX artist, um, she and I had a lot of conversations about these demons. And earlier on, we discussed whether or not we wanted to use heavy prosthetics. But we realized that simpler was better because every demon in the film is played by an actor who plays another character. And so, yes. you know, we have Michael playing Jess's demon. He also plays her ex-boyfriend, Jake. Flip it around, we have Jess playing her, or Jake's demon, who also is just her in demon costume. So everybody's playing double duty here. And, you know, making sure that that was clear as well was important to me because, especially early on when we don't meet Jake for the first half an hour of the film, 
And so I wanted it to be clear. It's like, okay, this is why, uh, this is who this character is. This is why he looks like this in Jake's mind. And Jess's mind, sorry. Now, one of the questions I, I did think, because there's such a combination of, there's a kind of bit of misfits, aren't they, as friends in a mm -hmm. way. One of the characters is also gay in the piece. He says something to the effect of, we make our own families. Do you think that's true of gay characters in general? Or do you think it's true of everybody in general? That we, we go out and we create new families or, in, or a, a, another family that's a, maybe not connected to our, uh, our birth family? I think it's definitely true of people in general. I think, um, you know, for my own self, I'm straight. But coming this far, halfway across the world to a place where I didn't know anybody, um, I didn't have any friends, and now I have amazing friends as I consider them family. Um, you know, I love my mom, I love my brother, I love my grandpa, but also I have this found family that I've created since moving here. And I think for a lot of uh, queer people, you know, many of them find themselves in a very unfortunate situation where their biological families aren't supportive of who they are. And so they find themselves, you know, best case scenario in these more supportive spaces with other queer people or with allies. And I think for Ted, the character, he, you know, he and Jess, they've known each other for a very long time. Um, and Ted has, you know, he's been out and open with his identity because he's gay but he's also asexual and the issue that ted has with his family is that they want him to get married and have kids they want that big family they want what he is not able to give them what he doesn't want to give them and i think for ted he's latched on to this friendship with jess because she's all he has jess is his family and it sort of has created this not particularly healthy codependence between the two of them that you know, people watching the film will see how that develops and the issues that that creates. But I think found families are very, very common. And, you know, even if you are lucky enough that your biological family or your blood family, adopt the family, whoever, if those people are supportive and if you, they love you and if you love them, you can still sort of create this the separate space with the people in your life, your friends. And I feel like that's very important. I must say the, the actor who played Ted is very likable and really, oh, he's so really enjoyable to watch. So Eric just, Flores is phenomenal. He is, he is so great and he's such a pleasure to work with too. Now here's a question for you. I was looking through your Instagram account. You're looking worried mm -hmm. there as, um, as we're talking. I was looking oh, no. through your your Instagram Instagram account and, and and you um were talking about the crew and you were talking about your actors as well and you mm -hmm. described them as amazing goofballs. I stand by that statement, yes. So I know so, exactly the photo you're talking about too. Well that's that's what you describe them as. So I'm wondering in putting together a team, what what are the qualities I what am I asking? I'm asking you what are the qualities to be an amazing goofball that you need mm -hmm. to work with you well and it's funny because in that picture you're describing emily fletcher who plays carly they were taking this cast picture and emily just immediately decided to pretend to choke me out on camera and i just thought that was hilarious i don't know why that struck me as so funny emily's delightful you know i'm super lucky because i've been doing this for eight nine years now and i've got a really good team around me of people that i really love working with you know my uh, production partner tequila mockingbird andrew our other producers like we're we work together but we're also very close friends and we have very similar senses of humor you know Andrew and I spend entirely too much time just sending each other the dumbest memes you've ever seen possible at like two in the morning because we're working on other stuff or whatever we have a really hard
hardworking, terrific team that we've assembled uh, with Tequila Mockingbird, you know, making shorter content over the years. And, you know, we all fit together really, really well. And we have a, we call it the no assholes rule where, you know, there's, there's so many toxic people who in this industry who are aggressive or just mean or, you know, otherwise problematic. And, you know, I don't want to work with those people because it's those people have had their time. They've had too much time. And the industry is very, very slowly changing course toward kindness and decency and good humor and things like that. And I would love to be part of that change because I've worked with people who are assholes and it's never worth it. It's never worth having that person on set. Your, your, your production company is called Tequila Mockingbird. Is that right? Correct. Yes. Yes. That which is, is a play on Tequila Mockingbird. Is that what it's a play on? It is. Yeah. It is. Okay. Very famous story, of course. Mm -hmm. Did you know in Melbourne, we have a drag queen called Tequila Mockingbird. Really? Maybe you know them. <laughs> I, I actually, I, I'm, I'm sorry to say that I don't because that's, that's fantastic. That's hilarious. So every time I see Tequila Mockingbird over the last month or so in, in a paper or a picture, I think of your company. And I, I was thinking, <laughs> I wonder if he realizes in Melbourne there's a drag queen named after your company or maybe it's the I other way around I, I didn't know that i've definitely seen instances of tequila mockingbird popping around popping up you know i'm not the only person who's ever thought of that wordplay um you know there's a cocktail book called tequila mockingbird people send me a picture of it every six months or so someone will find it out in the world and go hey this is you and i'm like yeah this is me it started because andrew Teresa, and i the three of us in tequila mockingbird we were working together on short films and then we decided to do the 48 hour film competition together and we needed a team name and so i threw tequila mockingbird out in the world and i said well what if we just what if this was our team name and we got such a positive response to to the film but also just to the name that we had chosen um that when it came time to incorporate and actually make this company a reality the three of us we did have a, a discussion on whether we should keep the name but it was a very short one so tequila mockingbird was born from that a question for you i was just thinking as you were talking um and you like you like thrillers and you said uh john carpenter have you ever seen any Australian thrillers that you've liked? Because Australia has quite a strong, it does genre movies quite well. Absolutely. But with a yeah. little bit different, a little bit of a different take on, on, mm -hmm. on it as well. But have you seen any Australian genre movies? I have. Um, I think this is one of those things where my mind has just completely emptied because the only thing coming to mind right now are the original Mad Max movies. And The Road Warrior, I will say, is also one of my favorite movies. I love The Road Warrior. Um, but I know that's not necessarily in the same vein of what you're thinking. I know... Um, Did you see Wolf, uh, was it Wolf, Wolf Creek? Was it Wolf Creek that was... Yeah, yes, Wolf Creek correct. I remember watching and enjoying. If you go over some of the old Australian films, particularly mm -hmm. the 80s, there was a lot of genre movies made back then. Mm -hmm. Actually, speaking of Australia, one of our cast is Australian. I'm not sure if you picked that up or not. Did I you did, catch that? I Who did, I did. Well, she, uh, em so Emily Coop, uh, she's from Australia, um, and she I've actually known her for a very long time. She plays the, the host of this fake reality show, Sexy Single Seniors in Solitude, and we describe that role as... She fell into it not realizing that it would become like the hit pandemic show of this world. And so she hates every second of it. Very occasionally you'll see these moments where she just stops caring and she's just, you know, she lets the accent go completely or she's very dry about something because she just, 
she did not envision this being the thing that would make her famous and she kind of hates that it is so she and i had a lot of fun with that character and just on on those segments which appear mostly on the television set don't they all, all the characters are young except for the characters that are in those senior segments on television mm -hmm. why did you feel younger people would be interested in watching older people it's going out on dates aren't they <laughs> on television initially i knew there there was going to be a reality show that everyone in this movie was obsessed with um because that was very much a staple of the early pandemic years you know i remember tiger king was a big thing but i knew there was going to be a reality show and i wanted it to be very silly and ridiculous you know in the earliest drafts of the script it was very nondescript it was just they're watching this show i think it was pat mcneely who plays uh, one of the characters in the film in the show um you know pat's a good friend of mine we've worked together on all kinds of things she was actually in the short film we made as part of the 48 hour film competition and she is so funny and i just remember thinking well i wonder you know if this reality show how we could incorporate somebody like pat and then it just sort of clicks. Sexy Single Seniors in Solitude, a senior dating show. And it gets really raunchy. They're actually making something called, I think it's called Senior Island that's coming out soon that I oh, think wow. is exactly the same okay. storyline as Sexy Single Seniors in Solitude. But Pat, man, we, we, when we filmed that, she actually improvised some of the filthiest bits of her character because her character is very, very raunchy and just goes for it. And I had written that with her in mind. And then on the day we did a few takes and then she goes you know hey i've been working on some stuff can i just cut loose and i started laughing i'm like absolutely please do and that was obviously the stuff we used well it's a little bit of a reversal isn't it the kids in the show aren't particularly sexually adventurous but mm -hmm. the older senior citizens that they're watching are mm -hmm. so it's kind, it's kind of a fun idea and a little bit of an original yeah. idea as well what, what is next for you after, you know, uh, this sucks? We're seeking distribution for this sucks. So we're still working on it technically. Um, and we've had some good conversations with that. It's sort of just a case of trying to find the best possible home for it because we really want to put the movie out in the world for the biggest audience possible. Um, at the same time, we've actually been doing a second feature called Driven, the Tony Pearson story. And that Andrew's directing that one. It's a documentary about the legendary bodybuilder Tony Pearson. And we started that in November of 2020. We filmed periodically throughout the next two years. We took a quick break to film This Sucks. And then, and so How you many, can kind of like... Can I just ask you a quick question? How many days did you, did it take to film This Sucks? This Sucks was nine shooting days. So we had one wow. one week and then we had a quick weekend and then a second week. That is so short. It was rough, but you know, we're we're used to doing stuff like that with Tequila Mockingbird and our crew. We're used to doing a lot with a little. The biggest issue I've had getting movies made up until this point was we get close and then someone would get a little uncomfortable that I was a first-time director. We finally just decided, well, fuck it. What if I wasn't that anymore? And so we made this movie. We made this sucks. And to, to get our little, our toe in the door. And at the same time, we've been making Driven. And so a Andrew's no longer a first-time director. I'm no longer a first-time director. Um, I have all the confidence in the world that we're going to get really great homes for both of these movies. I want to make a horror movie next. I would love to to jump onto that. Hey, we're running out of time. So I just wanted to um, ask you before, um, as a like a wrap up. Sure. In summing up, this sucks. Once it's distributed, what would you mm -hmm. like the audience to take away from this film? And what would you like them to think about you as a director? You know, art speaks to people. And art 
changes things and art can create discussions where previously there were none. I would love it if this movie could be seen by people who, you know, agree with its message and kind of feel that way, but I would also love it if it were seen by people who didn't necessarily agree. People who would watch it and start to reflect on their own biases, their own prejudices. On another level, I, I just want people to know that they're not alone. You know, things are really very, very grim sometimes in this country, but there are so many people working at different levels to try and change it and to try and fix it. And that's the key thing to take away is, you know, this sucks, but if we fight to make it better, we can do that. We just have to do it. On a grand level, I think that would be what I would love for people to take away. On a more personal level, you know, just like I, I talked earlier about the stigma about depression, and I don't think there needs to be that. I think I would love for people to, to see themselves in that and know that, okay, you know, maybe what I'm suffering with or dealing with or suffering from isn't so... You know, I don't want to say isn't so bad because I don't want it to sound like I'm making light of it, but something that's manageable and something that's relatable and something that, you know, if you feel like you're going through it alone by yourself, it can be really hard. But if you feel like there's others out there who know your struggle, who know your your issues, then yeah, it's it's something that we can all hopefully work towards that sort of relatability. And as far as me, I guess I would love for them to see me as somebody who... You know, I'm, I try to be very socially conscious. I want to help. I think I want to support voices who don't have the support. You know, um, on, on This Sucks, we actually earned, uh, it's called the Reframe Stamp for Gender Parity in Production. Um, and that's an initiative from Women in Film that it was created to award films uh, that have more than half of their crew be women. And that's very rare in this industry. And it's, you know, you can look at their website and the list is getting longer, but it's still a comparatively short list, but we're on that list. Um, you know, I work with a lot of amazing women. I work with a lot of people who are from all different backgrounds, races, ethnicities, queer people, non-binary people, people who just have otherwise been struggling to make their voices heard. More so even than, you know, building a, a name for myself, I want to help support these voices and I want to help change the industry in that direction. Um, I, think that's, I think that's also very clear in the film. You have all that in your in your mind in the film because when i watched it that's what I, I was really aware um of what you were trying oh, to you. say and what you agreed with and what you didn't agree with lastly just to wrap up before i say this is has been your 15 minutes of fame cameron <laughs> before i finally get to say that sentence where did the money come from for this sucks we have worked with these two incredible women uh don and kelly they're called two chicks in a truck we made a web series with them about what they do they're uh they run a craft shop basically and what they do is they call it a pick and so they'll go out into the world and they'll find something that is old or thrown away or thrifted and they'll repurpose it into something cool and new they just have this amazing back and forth and that's another project that we're trying to get off the ground is a proper two chicks in a truck series but they you know they were so enamored with what we did with the web series um they couldn't wait to work in a more narrative space and you know they've been such great collaborators and such great partners because they're very new 
and they understand that. And so there's not this, you know, there's not this pressure working with them where you might otherwise have because they're really content to follow our lead. You know, we're a team. Um, the two of them, the three of us at Tequila Mockingbird, Melissa and Ali, our other producers, the cast, the crew, all of us have come together to just really make this movie the best movie that we can make. And it's really been a great experience for me personally getting to work with all of them. You know, I think you've done a really good job. I direct uh, and I've directed a lot and mm -hmm. I really enjoyed your directing. I think it's a Thank very you. slick film. I think the performances are terrific and I'm really impressed that you love John Carpenter as much as <laughs> I do. Cameron. I think we've come to the end of our podcast. Oh, so I thank you for having me. No, I think we've I think we've had a had a very fun chat, despite yeah. all the difficulties to get us we, uh, started. We got there. We got there in the end. So I've only one thing to say, Cameron A. Mitchell. This has been your fifteen, 15 minutes, minutes of fame. 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 Woo! Well, thank you so much for having me on. This has been a really great experience just getting to talk with you and getting to know how much you love John Carpenter and The Thing. <laughs>